Good morning, everyone. Thank you for that prayer, Nancy. There's, there's really no way you can prepare for getting a text or a call that I got last night about my friend Dennis, and uh, I know many of you have been through that, and uh, it's just tough. One day, everything changes, and so thank you for that prayer, Nancy. Uh, appreciate that. Well, this is the fourth Sunday of, of Lent, which means we are getting closer and closer to Good Friday and Easter. It's coming fast. And uh, let's turn in our Bibles, if you would join me this morning, in Psalm 127 and 128. I'm going to be reading those here in a little bit. But uh, before we get those, of course, you know, during these Sundays of Lent, we've been doing some Bible trivia. And uh, so each week I put it out on social media, the questions and in the email, and then you're supposed to look them up or try to come Sunday morning with your answers. So here are the ones from this week. Um, if you know the answer, you can just say it out loud. What are Psalms 120 to 134 called in the Bible? Psalms of Ascent. Good, you guys have been paying attention. <laughs> Our theme during this Lent is 40 days of ascent as we go through these Psalms. And so that was an easy one. Uh, the second one is, to whom did Jesus say, today you will be with me in paradise? The thief on the cross or criminal on the cross. That is correct. All right, this third one this week, I tried to make this one a little bit tougher. Who did Jesus say, oh shoot, my... Now we're going to really see if you uh, know the answer. I need, to, I need to have more patience. I, if I would just waited for the screen to come, I wouldn't have given you the answer. So who did Jesus say had spoken of the abomination that causes desolation? Daniel. Oh, there we go. If only you guys had the answers ahead of time, huh? Uh, it's in Matthew 24, 15 that Jesus actually says that, and he is referring back to three different passages there in Daniel, the book of Daniel. And so uh, uh, you can look those up sometime if you haven't already. Anyway, I hope these trivia questions are kind of helping you to, to get you into the Word each week. And uh, of course, not just to find answers to trivia, but to see what God has for you and, and how God uh, might be able to speak to you through His Word. Okay, we're uh, in Psalm 127 and 128. I'm going to be reading from the New Living translation this morning. And so uh, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. And then uh, Psalm 128. How joyful are those who fear the Lord. All who follow his ways, you will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. 
Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have Since the 1940s in the United States, the percentage of those who actually do own houses has increased to about 65% now. Of course, that would be people who have mortgages or fully own their homes versus those who are um, uh, 35% of individuals and families who rent the places that they call home or live. And so, you know, either way, whether you uh, own or rent a place of residence, there's something comforting about, you know, having a roof over your head, having a place to rest and relax and to lay your head as you go to sleep each night. Well, as we read uh, Psalm 127 and 128, we see the importance of a house that is built on the foundation of God, Jesus, and the Christian faith. In these verses, we see references to the, to the family unit. There are quite a few there, actually. It, mention, it mentions children. It speaks of fathers and mothers in one verse. But I think it also speaks to each and every one of us as individuals. Is your house just an earthly house? Where you hang out, or is it a home that provides warm and loving examples of who you are, whom you follow, and what you believe in? You know, many houses, uh, you'll see some decor on the wall sometimes that says, home sweet home. And uh, I've never seen any wall decor that says, house sweet house, Right? It wouldn't sound, wouldn't sound right. It wouldn't sound what we would, would want it to sound like. And even beyond that, uh, I think we need to think about what kind of home we are living in. What kind of homes are we raising our children in? What kind of homes are we inviting our family and friends into? These psalms here... They remind us of the importance of godly homes that are built on the solid foundation of God's word and God's ways. And so in verse 1 of Psalm 127, it says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builder is wasted. For many young people or, or young families, you know, owning a house is really an exciting step uh, in life. I still remember when we first got married, we moved, we started in a one-bedroom apartment. We eventually moved to a two-bedroom duplex, and then we got our first house uh, here in Arthur. And, you know, owning a house is really primarily focused on just the physical structure and maybe the material value um, of what you own. There's no doubt that's exciting, 
Um, it's fun to think about how you're going to remodel, how you're going to decorate, how you're going to do all those things, changes that you might want to make as you uh, buy a house. And, uh, but all of that really pales in comparison to what happens within the walls of that house. Because you see, that's what makes it a home. Building a godly home involves an understanding that your home is more than just a physical structure. It is a place that you are cultivating and nurturing an environment that encourages the growth and the development of you and your family, both spiritually and emotionally. We know, of course, the physical foundation of a home is important. You know, if you want it to stand for years and hold its monetary value, that's an important part of your physical house. But the spiritual foundation, uh, the atmosphere in your home, the teaching and the training that happens there, the love that is shared there, the encouragement that I hope is spoken there, the friends that come and gather there, those foundations are so important to making your earthly house a godly home. It's incredibly sad when we hear of houses that not only uh, have those things absent, but in place of those things have abuse, ridicule, manipulation, and even violence within their walls. We need to make sure that our houses are not those kind of homes. We know that in other verses of Scripture, of course, uh, we are told about the importance of foundations. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.11, Paul reminds us that no one can lay any foundation other than that that is in Jesus Christ. And then I think we know well the parable in Matthew 7, the last part of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus talks about building on the rock instead of the sand. And so as we think about these Scriptures and these Psalms today, the question comes to my mind... What are we doing within the walls of our houses to make sure that we have a godly home? Here are some things that we should consider. First and foremost, we must hold the Bible and a Christian worldview in everything that we do. As individuals, of course, we each need to be in the word. We need to be listening to the word like Nancy talked about this morning, however that works for you, whenever it works for you, we need to be in the Word and listening to it. We need to be turning to it for the important decisions that come at us in life. You know, if you have a family or children, how often do you talk about the Bible and, you know, why we live the way that we live? Because, you know, if we don't speak or share those godly values in the course of everyday life, then TikTok, social media, TV, and the Internet are going to gladly share their values with your children. Verse 1 of Psalm 128 says, How joyful are those who fear the Lord, who follow His ways. Now, fear there, of course, means follow the Lord. Listen to the Lord. Obey the Lord. 
So do you as an individual or you and your family have a Christian worldview in everything that you do? One of the most basic definitions of that, of Christian worldview, is that your primary reason for living is to love and serve God. That's the most basic definition of it. Everything you do, every decision that you make, every step you take is based on that view, your Christian view of the world. Sadly, a Barner Research Group determined that only 4% of Americans actually live within the Christian worldview. That's astonishing. But this is even more concerning. They also found that only 9% of Christians, people who say they are Christians, actually live that out in the course of their week-to-week daily lives. A godly home should hold the Bible in great esteem and should use a Christian worldview to make their life decisions. Are you doing that? Are we doing that? Next is that we need to practice biblical love and grace in our homes. To uh, practice the definition of biblical love, we need to look no further than 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And we know this passage well. You've heard it many times, but we can't ever hear it enough and, and ask ourselves if we are applying it to our our daily lives. Love is patient and kind. Love's not jealous. It's not boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. <laughs> and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I mean, those, those kind of virtues will be found in a godly home. Those kind of virtues are only possible, though, when we are leaning on Jesus uh, to help us live in the fruits of the Spirit, which are what many of those things are. I think most of us would probably admit that we struggle at times with things like patience, kindness, with being irritable. Anybody ever want to say you've never been irritable? <laughs> or offended? It says we're not supposed to be offended. That seems to be something that happens quite often. You see, we can only live in the love and grace of God when we are leaning on Jesus to help us with those attributes that we know need to be in our lives, those fruits of the Spirit. The next important value in a godly home is that relationships are prioritized. If you are single, your relationship with your family members, your, your church friends here, your co-workers, if you still work, and so on, are so important. Keep them healthy. Nurture them. And be a source of encouragement for each other. Especially if you are uh, living alone. 
you need to find ways to connect with people and prioritize your relationships with people. If you're married, if you have a family at home with children, take the time, invest the time, and the effort in building strong, loving, respectful relationships, as well as modeling Christ-like behavior uh, in your interactions. That video at the beginning of the service encouraged families to gather around the table at dinner time to eat together. I hear, we don't have kids at home anymore, but I hear that that is becoming a lost part of many families' lives with all of the busy lives and hectic schedules that we are keeping these days. With that said, we need to find time for that to happen one way or another. Especially if you have kids. And I say that because that is one of the, that is the best time really to talk about your day, to talk about your life, to talk about the things that we so often don't find time to talk about. Those things come up around a dinner table. And I truly believe that it is an important time of being together and having Christ-centered conversations within the family. Bedtime, of course, can also be an important time for that to happen. Uh, but in both of those times, you know, you'll have opportunity to pray together and then to answer some of the, the difficult questions that kids are often wrestling with. Another important value is to teach and pray with each other. Spouses need to do this. Single men and women need to find friends to do this with. The day Bible study group started this week here at church, it sounded like they had a good group, sounded like it went well. There's things like Christian education hour you can come to, other Bible study groups that are meeting. You can also go out with a Christian friend and have breakfast together to encourage each other and talk about these things. And, you know, children especially need this. Parents, you only have a certain amount of time and years to pray with your child and to teach them the faith in God and the ways of Jesus. Um, I can tell you they go fast. They go faster than you would even imagine. And they'll fly by if you're not careful. So time is of the essence. Start today. Don't put it off. Start tonight if you feel like that's something that you need more uh, in your family. More of those things. In his sermon to the Israelites before they entered the promised land, um, Moses tells the people to love and obey the Lord, And then right after that, he gives them uh, a command to saturate their children with the same teaching. It's in Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7, and this is what it says. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And, you know, with all the moments available to us throughout the day... We, we just can't take those opportunities to pour the word of God into our children and grandchildren. We can't take them uh, advantage of them enough. 
There, you know, you can intentionally talk about the Bible, uh, what the Bible says during those family meals. You can talk about it when you're in the car together, riding somewhere, when you're in a walk, when you put the kids to bed, as I said, or even when they're getting ready to go to school or something in the morning. And I think, you know, that's not just something for parents uh, to keep in mind. If you're single or you don't have kids at home anymore, you need to intentionally have God conversations when you're with your family and your friends, your spouse and, and your coworkers. Pray with them and talk with them about life in Jesus and how different life can be when you have the power of God and the grace of Jesus uh, within you. Life is not always perfect. We know that. But it sure can be a whole lot better with the, when we are living with the hope of Christ in our life. Our earthly houses can be filled with joy and hope when we allow the Lord to build our homes. And then finally, one last thing. Another way to make your house a godly home is to fill it with praise, worship, and the promises of God. Listen to worship music or Christian music during your week. It doesn't have to be all that you listen to. I mean, I like listening to country music and you too as well. <laughs> but it needs to be present. It needs to be a part of, of, of your life and what you do. It needs to be one of the favorites on your radio dial. So that it's one of the options that you listen to when you're driving. We also need to pay attention to what we are listening to during the week. You know, is it filling your mind with with positive things, or is it bringing in negativity and fear, uh, ungodly things maybe that are coming into your ears and into, into our minds? Podcasts and news can be important things for us to listen to, but they can sometimes also be an extra weight for us to carry around. So be informed, but don't be consumed by all of that. Sometimes Christians don't think about how the decorations or the decor in your houses can remind you of God's promises. If you use verses from the Bible or wall decor that proclaims your faith and, and the promises of God, that too can be a part of making your earthly house a godly home. And you know, when people come to visit your house, they see what's important to you. They know that the Lord is building this home and that his promises are important to you. And if you have children at home, it also sends a message to your children. If you, if you decorate or have things uh, in your, on your walls that say those things. You know, it says, these things are important to mom and dad. Now, of course, hanging something on your wall uh, doesn't necessarily make your your house a godly home but it does remind you of the importance of all of these things that do we have one uh, at our home that says uh, great is thy faithfulness so you know I'm, I'm reminded of God's faithfulness on the days that that I need to be reminded of that we have one verse on on one wall decor that's from Proverbs 3 6 and it, it reminds me to acknowledge the Lord, and when I do, that the Lord will direct my paths. 
I heard one family recently who, um, they have Joshua 1.9 on the wall of their son's bedroom. And they have Jeremiah 1.5 in their daughter's uh, bedroom. And they did that just as a reminder for their children of who they are and what God has done for them, what God promises them. And that Deuteronomy, in that Deuteronomy 6 passage, it actually says, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So in conclusion, just to summarize, uh, in Psalm 127 here, we hear about the futility of life and a home without God in it. Solomon is actually the one who wrote that, and he, he reminds us that unless the Lord is involved, we are just laboring in vain. Because it's only through God's grace and blessing that our work can bear fruit and have a, a true lasting impact. And then in Psalm 128, we learn that obedience to God brings about blessings in life and in our families. It speaks there in that about the blessings of marriage and children and the importance of all of us as individuals to walk in the obedience, in obedience before the Lord. So in essence, what these Psalms are trying to, uh, are trying to tell us is that our lives are not our own to live. They are gifts from God that need strong foundations and that need the love and the grace of Jesus as their cornerstone. And so I pray that, I pray that that may be true in, in all of our lives, in each of our lives, in each of our families, and in each of our homes. May our earthly houses be godly homes. Amen.